Welcome to Leave No Doubt. I've been joined by Lee Brown, an ex-teammate and a good mate of mine. Brownie, thank you for being with me. How are you doing? Yeah, all good, mate. Thank you. Midway through pre-season. How's it going? Yeah, all good. Uh, it's, I think it's my 15th pre-season now, so you start to get used to it. Uh, to get us started, mate, we'll dive in and out of your career and its different stages. But something I wanted to dive straight in with you about specifically is I think you can really give the listeners a good insight into is how to manage competition for places. Competition for places is always something that's spoken about by managers and players in interviews. You've spoken about it, uh, you know, about it in interviews. And with almost 500 appearances, you know, you, you've just spoken there about 15th uh, pre-season so far in your career. You've managed to do that very well. How important in modern day football is the ability to deal with the pressure of competition? Yeah, I've, I've, I think there's, if you're in a good team, you always have competition for places. And I think... Um, it drives you to get to improve your game. It, it makes you not get lazy. Um, I think it's so important. I think you can get really comfortable in football if there ain't competition for places. Um, and if you want to push yourself to get to that next level, I think competition for places does that. But how managing that, I think it, it gets easier over time. But as, as a young lad or very early in my career, I think it's sort of worried me a bit too much um, but on saying that I don't think worry's a bad thing because there's it, nothing what, wrong with being worried because I think that's what makes you improve your performances you concentrate more you, you don't want to have a bad day's training so that worry sort of drives you to not drop your standards if that makes sense and I think that very much done that to me where I had a tendency to get comfortable. Um, so when there was competition, I think it sort of sharpened my tools a little bit in terms of, right, refocus and and, it, and it's competition. It's competition and I think it's inside you not to lose that competition to whoever. So can you tell me the main differences that you feel like there was between comfortable Lee Brown and Lee Brown that was having to compete for his place? Yeah, I've, I, I think... For me, I, I could feel myself going through the motions in training. You probably didn't think you had to do that extra little bit because you probably knew you was going to play because there was no one else. Um, compared to a Lee Brown who all of a sudden is a, is a good player wanting to take your position, now you are doing the extras. You are doing that extra run. You are probably eating a little bit better you are probably not going to bed so late so you can perform in training to make sure you are playing. So I think it's very natural to sort of get into a comfort zone. It's hard not to um, over a long period of time. But as I said, for me, it certainly sharpened my tools in terms of my mindset when there was, when there was someone looking to take your position because I think it just realigns your focus, I'd say. So how did you approach training and games then when there was that added pressure of you performing? Yeah, you just strip it all back really in terms of when you're comfortable, you, I think you, you sort of don't think about training too much to when there is competition, you sort of do the basics. You, you eat well, you sleep well, you get in early, you do the little bit of extras after. It's all the, it's all the boring stuff, but it sort of refocuses 
your mind to not let this person beat you. And I think it's a good mentality to have it for any, for any, I think every, every player has probably got the same mentality. You'd like to hope so that they want, they want to come out on top. Um, just the competitive nature of, of football. Um, so yeah, I think, I think everyone's got that self pride that they don't want to be dropped or, or they, because especially in football, I think self pride is, is key. I'm interested to know um, because obviously you've played left back your whole career and you've probably competed against other different kind of left backs with different attributes to you in, in your career. I'm interested to know, did you ever try and, f- or did you ever find yourself doing anything different in either training or a match day because you thought, ah, the person I'm playing against is really good at this. So I'm going to try and do that well too. And you sort of get away from your own game a little bit. Did that ever happen? Yeah, a little bit, I'd say. I, I think I think you'd always look at it and go, right, if he's brought in a really attacking fullback, say, um, right, well, that's the way he must want to go. He must want to go really attacking. So well, I'll go over attacking if that's what he wants. Um, and that's probably how I looked at it in my younger days when really looking at it now and, and with an older head, I probably should have looked at it as, as oh, he's probably brought in an attacking one, but then he wants a defensive one as well. He wants both options and not to give him two options of the attacking one, if that makes sense, where when you're young and naive, you sort of think, well, if he's really good at attacking, I need to get good at attacking. And you probably, you probably try and adapt a little bit to, you probably overthink, I'd say, does he want an over-attacking? Does he want a defensive one? Is that why he's brought this person in? Um, but yeah, I think I think very much so in your early days, you probably overthink it. Um, and then obviously, the more you play and the more you realise the game, you probably don't think about it too much. It's sort of more of a duck back. So. Some of the Rovers lads, when speaking about this, might laugh specifically then because... They're having a great time here. Because, already. you know, we remember one particular interview that you did, obviously, when you were competing for a position with someone else at Rovers and, and the answer that you gave at the time was, I've always been under pressure to compete with players, but I've always won. And that wasn't necessarily you being an ego. That was sort of, I think that people had forgotten that, you know, you, you'd always played, but it wasn't because you had a comfortable position. You were always having to, to prove yourself in, in, in that. How, was there ever a time that you had found yourself beaten by the competition? And what did you do, you know, at that at that point? How did you deal with that? Yeah, yeah, no, no of course, I, I haven't won or, or no one wins them all. Um, there's been times where I've sat on the bench for long periods of times in my career where, as an example for, um, I think Mark McGee was the manager at Bristol and he brought in Jim Patterson, um, and for whatever reason, he, he liked Jim Patterson over me. Um, he was a more aggressive fullback, um, a lot older than me at the time. And yeah, I'll be honest with you, it felt like there was nothing I could do which would get me in the team. Um, and obviously, it's, it's demoralising as players. I think every player just wants to play games. Um, it was at a period in my career where I was 24, 25, where I felt like I needed to be playing. Um, I wasn't playing. Um, and it's frustrating. It's really frustrating. You're living away from your fa- from your family. You're miles away from home, and the one reason you're there is to play football. And when you're not playing football, I don't think people realise the the mental side of things when things ain't going so well for you 
in football is I think football can be the best job in the world or it can be the worst job in the world depending on circumstances and I think 20 to 25 I think players suffer with that in terms of the mental side of the game and, and some people older than that as well um, but yeah I think it, it, it gets to you a lot it gets to you a lot it gets to you a lot that you're not getting the success that you, you think you deserve or you for whatever reason you're not you're not playing what you love to do um, but how I dealt with that really is just sort of just strip it back do the basics work hard and I know it's so cliche and say oh yeah just work hard um, but you know it's you, you can't let it take over your life in terms of how down you get you've got to refocus just and try and be the best version of yourself really it's easy to say sometimes isn't it to not only work hard as a, as a cliche but that to not get too down because when you're in that moment it's incredibly difficult right yeah and, and, and you've seen it parts you, you've seen it where people do get really low when they're not playing they they get really low and they, they take it personal and they it it don't just finish at training it they take it home to their home life and you, you've been around a long time to see all different characters so many different characters and so many people deal with it in certain different ways um, but I think the older you get you you definitely deal with situations like that better um, compared to what you think you should be dealing with it when you're younger um, but yeah I think I think it's just trying to stay focused on the job at hand and and try and just be the best version of yourself as cliche that is as that is all you can do is is be the best person you can be and train well and, and hope for one day you, you get an opportunity um, if that opportunity comes great but if it don't then it don't Talking of you know of young ages and and young guys at, at at that twenty to twenty five year old period, when you were younger, obviously you were involved in QPR's academy from from a very early age. Um, you've been competing your whole life, firstly in the academy for contracts. That's you know after one year, two years, every age group. Um, you also then go on to compete for opportunities to be involved in the first team. How do you think that you've been able to do that so well, whilst also at that age developing as a player? Yeah. I've it feels like a long time ago now that Jesus Christ but no I think I think there's so much pressure on, on especially young kids in football even, you know it's like even coming through an academy at such a young age um, yeah I've, I've played with some really good players um, and bet, better than me by a country mile but then gone on got released and, and couldn't get another club because they couldn't get over the disappointment of being released um but yeah, I, th I think there's so much pressure, especially coming through them ages from 16 to 22, where you're probably not as strong, strong enough to be into the first team. You're not developed, and it's sort of them limbo years where you do take knockbacks. You do, and it's just not, that mentality of not giving up. And there's so many players. Well, you look at a youth team. I think I looked at a youth team picture the the other day, and there's obviously 20 people in this youth team, and there's there's not one player playing. Um, and it and it's a shame really because there were some really good players there with much more ability than me a lot more ability I was probably bottom half of ability in that group um, but that's the side of the mentality side where it's so important and which I don't think there's enough focus on it's all about ability isn't it like he's got ability but that mentality to not give up and not give in even when you take knockbacks in terms of I've I've been released three times throughout my career, and it. I remember one time when I got released from QPR, and I was um, 
I remember vividly crying my eyes out on the way home from the journey and no one probably ever knew that but it felt like my life was ending like that was all I knew and I've just been released what do I do now I've, I've come out of school like but one thing then on to come I land I got a bit lucky but um, but yeah I, I remember that I remember that journey vividly I was driving alone I remember it how like well, I've had a conversation I've recorded a, a similar conversation like this with Marlon Pack a few days ago and we were talking about how no footballer really especially at our level maybe at the, at the top elite level not many of them have, have suckered, suffered hardship or, or had to overcome anything but I, I can almost guarantee that they have at some point in their life but in terms of being released like I, I myself have been released most of the guys that we've played with in, in our career at sort of this League 1, League 2 National League level have been released or have had to overcome obstacles how important, you know, you're talking about mental mentality and, and that youth team group that you just had a look at, some majority, if not all of them, are not playing, apart from yourself. How important is mental toughness? And I want you to try and strip it back as to what do you think it was about you that's allowed you to be on the lower level of, of talent that you've, yeah. just, you've just said in that group, but be able to get over all this stuff and, and make it? Yeah, no, I've, I've been extremely lucky. I've been in the the right place at the right times. I don't think it's necessarily my mentality as such because them boys, some of them boys had good mentality as well. Um, but sometimes you've got to be in the right place at the right time. And certainly in my career, I've, I feel like I've had, a, I've had a little bit of luck. Well, I think everyone has a little bit of luck really. But for me personally, I've had a lot of luck in terms of being in the right place at the right time, speaking to the right people and, and sort of getting a chance really. Um, so mentality-wise for me, I think it was always sort of installed from my dad. I've got an older brother. It was sort of, that was just the way it was. It was just the way it was in, in my family. You, don't, you never quit. You never quit. It doesn't matter if you go and play step eight. In, you, ne- you never quit. It's, what, it's why you, you just never, ever quit. And that was just the mentality growing up. Um, I think I was always fighting against my older brother. So he was older than me. Um, so yeah, I think it was when for me, I think like it was just always there to never quit. I think that story, this story, this story that we're going to start talking about is is incredibly relatable for a lot of players, really, because almost all like we're talking about people go through some sort of rejection or or some sort of um, you know being released from from the club that they're at. And that period of time for you at QPR, as you were nineteen, weren't you? You'd only made one one first yeah. team appearance, so yeah. it wasn't like you'd you'd really been exposed to loads of opportunities in the first team. Talk to me about that period of time, not just obviously that the moment that you released, like talk to me about how that went down and then talk to me about how you found yourself after that summer with Bristol Rovers. So yeah, as you say, I was, I was, I was at QPR. So I left um, Arsenal at 14 or so, went to QPR. I got released, obviously struggled to get to QPR, but got to QPR Somehow, I can't even remember the story how. I think I must have gone on trial or something. Um, but yeah, spent time at QPR five years. I was at QPR five, six years. Um, obviously left school, done my apprentice there. And then I got released. Um, about 1920, I got released. And as you say, you've, you've not played the game. You've, you've got no, no one knows who you are. You're a young lad, never played first team football. Now you're looking to go into a first team environment for someone 
who no one really knows about. And as you know, in football, it's a results business. These people don't really want young kids as such who, who are potentially losing their job. Like they, you're an unknown. You're 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 a gamble. You're a gamble. So I think it's really hard when you come out of an academy or under twenty three setup. Did you know that straight away? Because I, I know the perception of some young lads is like, is not a massive ego, but it's almost like someone yeah, will no, take that's me. True, yeah, yeah. Someone will take me. Yeah, no, I, I knew that straight away. I was a bit of a realist in terms of, I always thought I knew I wasn't the best. I know I ain't going to go on trial and they're going to go, bloody hell, he's got loads of ability. He's, he's really quick. He's, he can do step overs or whatever. I knew, I knew what I was, I knew I weren't that person. Um, so I knew it, I ain't going to set the world alight in terms of that going on trial. Um, so yeah I, li- I literally come out of QPR in the summer I had nothing literally all these agents you, you know what they're like they, yeah don't worry you'll be right. you'll be right. did you have an agent at the time? I had someone who I was speaking to but not really an agent as such um, who was sending stuff out and and nothing was coming back you know no, nothing it was it was a quiet quiet time and it was probably a time where it's what do you do, do it's going to get to a period where what do you do here Um so yeah, a month went by and nothing, no phone calls. I'm obviously ringing this person every other day saying, <laughs> as the phone rang, he's saying no. And now it's, um, I remember going away at the time. Um, it, the, the holiday was booked, went away with some friends. And I was like, "What? Well, I don't know what to do. Like, what do I do? Um, and he was supposed to be joining Bristol Rovers in the summer because he, the manager there was... Um, who he, who'd been on loan previous with and he he was going there. It was all lined up. It was a done deal. And, I, and we were laughing at the time. Imagine, imagine if I went there as well. It'd be a bloody dream um, because we'd spent six months apart in terms of he went on loan somewhere and I went on loan somewhere. Um, I said, bloody, oh, it'd be a dream if we both signed there. And he joked and went, just ring him. I've got his number. And I said, no, I can't just ring him. He ain't going to have a clue who I am. He goes... Nah, just ring him or take his number and, and when you get back, see what you want to do. So I remember um, we, we finished the holiday. Obviously, I was speaking to people going, should I call him? It's a bit, what'd you say? Like, I'm a 19-year-old kid, jumped up kid who's come out of QPR, never played, kicked the first team football, really. Um, what'd you say? Um, so I remember I got back. I thought, I was down, I was down the garage, at my dad's garage. And I thought, you know what, sod this, I'm, I'm going to call him. So I've literally walked down this garage. Sirens are going past on the road. I'm thinking, he's going to not know what's hit him. I'm in the middle of a main road. So I've rang him about, his name was Paul Buckle. Um, Paul Buckle just took over at Bristol Rovers. I said, hello Paul, it's Lee Brown. Um, I don't know if you know who I am. Um, I'm a left back at, at QPR. I've just been released. I was just wondering if you needed a left back. He's gone... You've just called me at the 11th hour. I'll call you back in five minutes. So I'm scratching my head. I'm walking up and down this main road. Sirens are going in the middle of Mitcham. I'm thinking, oh, I need to get out of here. So um, I'm walking around. He's rung me back after five minutes, dead on. Lee, you've rang me at the 11th hour. I have just about to sign a left back from Bradford, but he's messing me about. I said, all right. He went, tell me a little bit about yourself. I said, bloody hell, you've chucked it on my toes here, Paul. So um, I've said, look, I ain't going to chat shit to you, Paul. I said, I ain't going to sit here and tell you I'm the best player in the world because I'll I'll, I'll work me me balls off for you. 
Um, and and I'll give it, I'll, I'll try and do the best I can. Um, but I ain't going to sit here and like an agent and tell you I'm the best player in the world because I ain't. Um, he goes, don't worry, Lee. I've already spoke to um, Mick about you, the assistant manager at QPR. He, he'd give you a good thing. Um, I said, all oh, right. He goes, look, give me five minutes. I'll ring you back again. I said, he's having me on here, isn't he? <laughs> so I put the phone down. I'm thinking, bloody hell, it's gone a bit weird. Like, how'd you sell yourself at 19? Um, like, so, yeah, he's rang me back after five minutes. He's gone, look, I'll tell you what I'll do for you. I want to sign you. I said, huh? I couldn't believe it. I literally couldn't believe it. He went, how much do you want? I said, look, I was on this at QPR. Look, I don't care about the money. Just, I just want an opportunity. He goes, you're due for me. <laughs> he just wanted me on the cheap, didn't he? <laughs> He's gone, right, £350 a week. You can come in. £350 a week. You can come in. I said, I said right, okay. Could you get you the 400 <laughs> He goes, don't take the piss. <laughs> so I said, all right, okay. I said, look, I can come tonight. I'm, I'm going away on Thursday. I'll come tonight and sign it. Um, so I've gone down there and, and signed it £350 a week I've had to move I've got to move up there got nowhere to live no not negotiating anything more than £350 a week um, so yeah literally he went look you're not going to be my first choice but look you do well after 10 games I'll give you a new I'll give you a new deal you've got my word like, you've got my word I'll give you a new deal if you do well I went right okay we'll do that I went back in that summer I was fit because I'd just been running the whole time, didn't have no time off. I went in that summer, I was, I was the fittest there. Like, the people who know there now, who I speak to, still laugh about the bleak test that when I was there. Um, but it was sort of, what else are you supposed to do? Like, I thought if I was going on trial somewhere, you've got to be the fittest. Um, so yeah, went in that summer. I ended up starting the first game of the season and, and doing really well. And luckily, he gave me a new contract September, September October time um, but yeah it was, it, how it happened was so so lucky and it was so f- unheard of really um, but yeah no it's funny enough when I left Bristol I actually I actually messaged Bucks and said look I've left me at Bristol after eight years just want to say thank you so much for giving me the opportunity because it was sort of like if it weren't for him I'd be nowhere near it um, and obviously spent good, a good seven, eight years there, all off the back of that, really. How much do you think that that holds so much weight, you calling him, right? And, and you've got somebody speaking on behalf of you in that summer, and he said, I'm not getting this, I'm not getting that. But you speaking to the manager yourself yeah. probably showed him the kind of person that you were. And if you'd got your agent to call him yeah. or said, oh, um, I've got the manager at Bristol Rovers' number, can you speak to him for me? It probably wouldn't have happened. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Right? So, in modern day football, I know that agents are huge and, and having an agent obviously can allow you loads of opportunities, probably more so the higher up you go. Yeah. Um, I myself negotiated my own deal this, this summer. I've got great agents that, that I work with, but I obviously knew the manager personally, so, so I managed to sort it all, all out myself. How important or how much weight do you think it holds for lads now to be prepared? They might not have to, but to be prepared to speak to managers on their own if they have to. Yeah, yeah look, uh, thinking back now, the thought of me doing that at a 19-year-old lad is sort of like mental because I spit, I see some players here at 19 and I think, would they do that? Um, but I, I, hand on my heart, he, he would not even have entertained the, 
a conversation if my agent called. I don't even think it would have been a conversation. Um, but I think it was just a, and, and years later, he actually, he told me that, um, that that was the reason he, he gave me it. And obviously there was boys on much bigger money than that. So he basically gave me a chance really on, on, on little, little money really for, for where they was at the time um, and what they were paying. So all because of that phone call. And I think he respected that in terms of the art. I rang him personally and looking back now, it was a bloody good call. Did you, uh, did you get any advice on what to say in that phone call or, or did you just try and give yourself a pep talk before it? I'll be honest with you, it was going over my, in my head for two, three weeks. <laughs> like, you practice what you're going to say in your head, you know exactly what you're going to say. I didn't say one thing that was in my head. <laughs> Not one, but it, do you know what? It was, do you know when you just, get, something comes over and you go, say, oh, shot this, let's just, let's just get it done with. Um, and that's what it was and I'm actually flabbergasted that I actually did it now, really. Looking back now, it was sort of such a ballsy move in terms of to do that at 19. I don't think I'd do it now. Um, but yeah, it's, I think it was, Joe, you know, when your, your back's against the wall so much, I literally had nothing. I'd waited four to six weeks. Boys were going back to pre-season in, in a week to two weeks' time. You know, you, you, you've come out of school and you know what it's like in school. Everyone puts you on a pedal stool because you do play football and... Your self-pride took a little bit of a knock. You've been released. So it was sort of now or never sort of thing. It was do or die, really. It, and if he, if, he, if, if he said no, I've, I don't think I'd be playing football now. It would be, where, where would I have gone? You know, I, would, I, I really don't think I'd be playing football now. I would have looked at doing something else just because of the, the emotion of it all. And So yeah, it was my last chance saloon by calling him um, and, it, and, and it paid off. Talk to me a little bit about then what happens when the phone goes down for the third time and you've agreed a deal, you go up there and you sign it. From that moment then, what's your approach to how you, because you could have signed that deal and thought, ah, oh, you know what, I've, I've done it, I've signed a deal somewhere, I'm going to take it a bit easy now and I'm going to turn up to pre-season and see what happens. You didn't do that. And you, you know, you, you got that opportunity and you, you wanted to, to grab it yeah. with both hands. What did you do after that phone call? Uh, directly after the phone call, I can remember it now, I was down that Mitchum main road. I walked back down to the carriage with my old man. I've got, Dad, you're not going to believe it. Because obviously I told him I was going to call him. He said, oh, I said, you're not going to believe it. I'm going to Bristol tonight. I'm going to Bristol tonight. I've got a contract. He said, no, you're winding me up. He said, get in the car. We go now. Come on, we're leaving. <laughs> He's ready to get in the car. <laughs> Drive me to Bristol. I thought, bloody hell, you're keen. <laughs> I said, settle down. We'll go later. Um, but yeah, he, 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 was, he was over the moon because obviously for him, he was sort of thinking boy like he's seen the tough time I've gone for he saw one of me but he was literally I, I still remember his face and his reaction now and um, yeah so first of all I went, I went back told him and, and that was that um, but yeah I always because it weren't great money and I had to get a flat in that and I had to live on that it was sort of I was left with peanuts I was left with nothing after after Bristol's an expensive place to live they didn't give me no accommodation so I literally was working for nothing well, not nothing but it, it was it was minimal, um, so yeah, I, I I I wasn't in a position to go. Oh, let's just let's just sack all this off now. Um, I was really fit at the time. I just thought in my head, my mentality was that I know I'm getting their second choice. But if I'm fit, hopefully I'll get an opportunity and I'll I'll, I'll play the games. Um, so yeah, we ended up moving the the left back into centre half and, and playing me from from the first game. Gary Sawyer, I might remember. His name. Yeah, Gary Sawyer. Yeah. In, he, he, he was there for two years. He was, but yeah, they ended up moving, moving him inside and, and playing me straight away. And after 10, 10 15 games, he, um, he gave me a new deal, which was, which was, which was much better. 
Do you think during your career you've appreciated being a player because of how hard it was for you to to manage to become one? Yeah, I think so. I think I, I think it's such a hard road to get there and to make it into full time football. As you know, it, it's tough. It's tough. There's so many good players, better than me, way better than me, who, who are not playing full time, and it is tough. And sometimes you've got to be at the right place at the right time, and and just your face fits or it don't fit. It's it's really it's really it's it's really tough. And you 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 know you know enough people in the game that there's good good players out of work. Even this summer, there's good players who ain't got who ain't got jobs who who ain't getting paid and they're good players and sometimes it's, it's pop luck so I do feel like you have to be a luck um, you, have, you have got to be lucky sometimes throughout your career and I fast forward a little bit because you know I'm trying to, to hit sort of like the main spots of your career and, and how that can benefit anybody listening but for the first three seasons you spent in Rovers you played in almost every single game those first two seasons this was in League 2 you sort of finished mid-table but for you specifically individually they were you know you were playing quite well they were quite successful. Um, that third season, obviously, you guys end up getting relegated from, from League Two. And I don't necessarily need you to go into too much detail on, on why you think you got relegated or what your opinion is on, on why that happened. But specifically for you, what did that do to you? You know, as a player, no one really ever wants to get relegated. It's sort of like the, the holy grail of things that you don't want to do. Um, how much did it hurt you and, and what did it do to you? Yeah, I think it was it come at a stage in my career which I was 23 um, I think around about that age um, and I think when you get relegated it's a factor of a lot of things it's not just one thing it's sort of a factor of a lot of things throughout the whole course of the season um, so yeah there's reasons and a lot of reasons we just basically weren't good enough the squad wasn't good enough it's as simple as that um, and that's why we got relegated um, but yeah for, moving forward from that it was sort of I personally was okay um, that season which a few of the boys were, um, quite a few of us. Um, so it was sort of 23. It was a tough decision whether to stay in League Two um, at another club or potentially stay at Bristol Rovers. And, well, and He was obviously under the age of 24 at that point. What, so some would have had to spend money on you. Yeah, so I had an opportunity to leave. I had an opportunity to leave... Um, I was I was close I was close to leaving just because in that mindset at that age is I need to play as high as I can and it and it's that mentality you know um, do you know what Daryl Clark at the time just took over and he went I knew him from old from from before um, and he just basically said all the things that I wanted to hear really um, I was I was happy at Bristol Rovers really that it was a good city to live in. Um, and I just took the gamble, really. I thought, do you know what? Why not? Um, Bristol Rovers in the conference was was a massive club, um, and I thought if we get promoted, it it'd be it'd be brilliant. And it happened to work out well, you know. But this is what I'm saying. It's it's all luck, and it it's, it could have gone it the other way, and we could have struggled, which we we did early on in that season. And but yeah, we we happened to get straight back up, which is which was probably the most enjoyable season I've had as a professional, really. I know you've alluded to a couple of times about being lucky in right place, right time, but I do believe personally that hard work does pay off and, and you, the luckier, you know, the harder you work, the luckier you get. So 
it's not all like that you've managed to be successful. Like there is, you know, there's a lot about you and, and your personality that, that has meant that you, you've been allowed to do that. Yeah. I've, the thing is, I'm, I'll be the last person to say that, but it, for me, it's sort of, I feel like everything happens for a reason. You know, everything happens for a reason. For me, you just got to try and do the best you can. And, and where that takes you is where that takes you. Um, and I, I've, I've just had the lucky to have some good memories in football and, and to last this lot this long is has been a blessing really. I'm interested to know, obviously like hopefully people listening, people who have careers, they don't experience relegation, but people will, right? Um and if they listen to this and it's might happen this season for, for quite a lot of people. Yeah. What did you have to deal with that summer? Like when obviously that final game there's a long period of time. It's about two months in between, obviously, one season finishing and, and another season starting, plus pre-season. During that two-month period, talk to me about the details of, of how you felt, what was happening outside of you, like what, what were you hearing off other people? How oh, did you feel tough. about yourself? Yeah, it was tough. I remember vividly, straight after the game, we were having rows with the fans in the car park because obviously they're, bl- they're blaming the players. Of course they are, and so, rightly, rightly so, you know. Um, we're having full-blown rows in the car park um, with all your family next year. I had a young kid, kid at the time and these fans are wanting, are wanting a tear-up. Um, so yeah, it, it was tougher than... Bristol's a, a big city where they love their football. They're such a passionate fan base. Um, so I remember going out in Bristol, I think it was a, a festival of some sort, like a family festival, food festival down the seafront. Um, so went down there with the family. I had to leave after 20 minutes. I literally, right, we got to go. Like, I feel like everyone's looking at me. Like, I can't, I can't be here. Like, everyone's looking at me. It, it got to the point where we had to get out of Bristol after about a week um, because it just, it become too much in terms of that bubble. Um, and where I lived was close to a hardcore fan base. So it was, it was a case of, look, let's get out of here. And that was probably the best thing I did was after a week, 10 days, I, we all went back down to London. We went away and, and sort of got out of that bubble. But that first week to 10 days was tough. Like, I didn't want to go out. I didn't want to go to the shop because um, someone would talk to you and, and give their opinion, which, which rightly, rightly they can do. Um, but yeah, it was just sort of, you can't get away from that that season and especially when you're around that age it, you sort of take it personally you know you take it personally in terms of bloody hell was it all my fault um, so yeah we, we ended up going away and, and getting out of the situation I sort of do you know what I sort of went away and reset a little bit and that is what made me come back and it was when I come back I was in a different mindset completely I thought look it's a new season put that to bed and, and that's where it went talk to me a little bit more detail about that then because you've already spoken about how you managed to overcome being released from a club and I myself know how difficult that is. I'm a bit younger than you and I was released 15 years old and you do feel like it's the end of the world. You've been relegated as a player. I'm sure I can imagine you questioning yourself and your ability. Like, am, am I cut out for this? Am I any good? Was it all my fault? Across your career, obviously, I've been. not only do I know you very well, but having a you know, a look before this conversation and going through your career, you've managed to overcome quite a lot. How did you manage to, you've just said, set the reset button, but for people listening, I want you to go into a little bit more detail about how you managed to do that because a lot of people in football, almost all, will go from 
will go through some sort of negative feeling about themselves. How can people, how, what's your advice on, on people getting over that sort of stuff? What, what did you do? For, for me, I always, um, it's a cliche, it's, I always went back to the drawing board in terms of I just work hard. I think a run, if I went for a run, it would reset my brain in terms of if I was at a low point or I was doubting myself, I'd think, right, I'm getting the fittest I've ever been then. I'd, I'd go that way in terms of I could be really low, but then I could be like, right, fully focused. Let's let's come back and be the fittest. Let's let's. So I sort of went down the fitness route, not really football specific in terms of right. I need to work on crossing. Oh yeah, but it was never ever right. I'll do extra with the foot, the ball. It was always literally. Let's just get fitter. Let let's just be, let's be as fit as I can be. Um, didn't even touch a ball. It was sort of, but that helped me mentally in terms of working hard. Um, so that's how I approached it. I approached it in terms of my fitness and wanting to be the fittest I've ever been. In any time I've had a had a negative, even if I've had a bad game, I think the boys used to joke um, at, at Portsmouth and Bristol. Um, every time I had a bad game on the Tuesday, I'll do a run just because I wanted to clear that bad game out of my head. And I think, oh, it must be my fitness. Um, so I do like box the boxes and they used to laugh every time we know you had a bad name we, we know on the Tuesday you're going to do a run um, but that was just my way like everyone everyone has their own way of how they deal with things but that was just my way and after I'd done that run I'd I'd be reset for the next Saturday um, but everyone goes through down times in, in football if, if you think any player or anyone even at the top of their game don't go through a bad spell or a mentally down point then they're lying because 100% every person doubts themselves at one point or or has a down ebb where they get relegated, they get dropped. That's just the, the business we live in, live in and it's just how you come through them bits is how it defines you. So that guilt of a bad performance or, you know, a bad outcome of a season, you ease that guilt by, you say working hard, but you ease that guilt specifically by trying to get as fit as you possibly could do. Yeah, I think, I think it... it, it the running and the exercising sort of just helped my mental state in terms of it just cleared my mind. If I'm working hard, I know I'm I'm doing the best I can. It, I'm doing the I'm doing all I can, and that's how I used to look at it really. So if I had a bad game, for example, I'd do a run, and it sort of it it just resets my brain, and that, that's just how I used to deal with things. And not so much now because I'm I'm way much way better of dealing with things and. And I've got other things going on that I can do that. But back then when my full focus was football and everything was football, 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 that was my reset and that was fitness. So give me a little bit of an insight then in that summer because you do get relegated into the National League, but you've, you've touched on it already. Bristol Rovers in the National League are, are an enormous team, right? Yeah. And they're expected to beat every team that they play in, at, at that level. So you go from being a team that's not really used to winning at all, you've been beat most weeks, you've been relegated, everybody feels rubbish about himself. So then you start pre-season and you're going into a new season, expected to win every game. Fans are expecting you to win every game. Everybody's coming to the Memorial Stadium on a Saturday to see you yeah. win. How difficult was it to go from getting over getting relegated to preparing to be a team that's supposed to win the league? Yeah, it was, it was tough, you know, and the team... The team didn't deal with it well for the first two months of the season. We really struggled. I don't think we won 
many games at all. You know, I think it was, I think every time you get relegated, the team always goes, ah, we'll be all right. And the team, oh, we'll cruise it. And I think it's that mentality and they think it's going to be easy. And it's never easy. It don't matter who you're playing against. Games are never easy. Um, especially at, at conference. It's a, it's a good level, you know, and I think we struggled as a team to start with. I don't know what the, the record, the, um, stats say but we didn't win many games at all for the first month two months of that, of that season and it was sort of we were climatising to of the expectation going into games at altering them away and expected to beat them 4-0 and we were losing 3-0 and you can imagine the Bristol Rovers fans at that time Jesus Christ like they expect you to beat everyone Championship League One they just want you to win um, don't care how so you can imagine us going away to an Ultracom away and losing. You can imagine the meltdown of what was going on. So that sort of was building, building. Um, but to be fair, Daryl Clark at the time, the manager, he was under some serious amount of pressure. He, he took over for the last 10 games of the season. He obviously was in charge when we got went down. He, um, he'd done all the recruitment in the summer. Um, and then we've started the season and not one game for, for a month, six weeks. You can imagine the the abuse he was getting. And then he tells a story, doesn't he, about that he, he got to the training ground and had loads of there was flyers everywhere of Oh of he like, loves that story too. Yeah, Jesus Darryl Christ. Out, yeah, <laughs> Darryl Clark out and he said he kept them all in his office. Yeah, so yeah, that, that that's just his way he's he's dealt with it, you know. He it was obviously Darryl Clark out all over the training ground and he, he wanted to keep hold of them to um to remind him of of where it actually where he come from, sort of thing. So, yeah, Joe, you know what he, he recruited really well in that summer and that whole year, really, um, and brought in some really good characters. And when we did climatize to it and and got over that expectation level, I think Daryl Clark was very clever how he he dealt with that situation where he sort of gone right. Let's ignore the noise now. Let's shut the shutters. No press are coming in. No one's coming in. Um, it's us in this building, and we're going to fight the world, sort of thing. It was that sort of mentality. And since that started, we sort of won the first one and we won the second one. And it was sort of like we become this group which was fighting against the world. And we were all so against it. We were all getting abused, every single one of us, because there's no hard in place when you're losing. You've got relegated and you're expected to win, especially in Bristol. We, we were all getting a hiding. So it was a course of we've only got each other. And we're going to fight for each other. And one thing led to another and how we managed that situation was very, very good um, for me. Um, so yeah, we, we ended up coming together and obviously having a really successful season. For you personally then, because up until that point, obviously at the back of the relegation the year before and the two years before that, although you had personally performed quite well, you'd finished in sort of mid-table League Two teams, that that was the first year that you'd really had sustained success that, you know, ultimately ended up with you getting promoted. But for you as an individual, for you as a player, you started to, to feel like, oh, I'm actually, I'm actually getting success here. So what was that year like for you specifically? Because some, you know, hopefully people listening will go through tough times. Hopefully they're going to go through great times where you win, you perform really well. What was your football lifestyle like at that time? Like, how did you feel about yourself? What was your mindset? Yeah, no, I think your mindset's completely different. You know, I think that year was, we had such a good group in terms of a changing room 
like it's probably the best change I've had for the, them two, three years. And as you say, like yourself, we're, we're all now really close still to this day, you know. Um, so that changing room, when you're winning game, you you just, you make memories and, and friends that will last you a lifetime. And I think we had a really good squad there that we were doing really well. We were doing really well. We, we obviously got promoted. Um, but there was characters in there who wouldn't let you get too above yourself. Um, and control everyone's emotion. Um, and I think we were just all having so much fun. That's why we were winning games. Not so much. We weren't the best players in the conference. There was still some... We were average, but our team spirit that year was was what got us promoted and, and the year after. It was that, that team spirit that we were coming in every day having such a laugh um, and enjoying everyone's company so much. It was sort of... We were just wanting to work hard for each other, you know, and... It, it took us a long way as a group. So just to, to try and conclude this part of the conversation, for people who are trying to get over hardships, who are trying to get over negatives, who are might be negative performances, negative outcomes on their season being released, what advice would you give those people as to, to how you can get over that? I think you just got to strip it back. I think you got to strip it back in terms of, look, you need to know what you're good at. You know, You need to know what resets your brain. Um, as I say, mine was, mine was fitness and just working hard and knowing that I'm doing the best I can do, you know. But I think people have got to talk to people, you know. I was, I was very much um, at that age, didn't want to tell anyone that I was I was down and depressed. It's sort of, yeah, I'm all right. And and that's very common in football. Into Yeah, I'm all right. It's all a front around the boys because it's, you're in a change room with 22 boys. It's all a front. Everyone puts on a front. They're, they're not, they've not got the ump. They're not, they're not down about things. But really, what's the hardship of just having a conversation with someone saying, look, what do you think? Like, what do you think I can do? And I'm a bit down and this and that. It is such a stigma around football of weakness. In, in, I've been a culprit of it myself, abusing people. And it's got to a stage where that stigma's got to go, really, because you do, you do grind people down in terms of you're not allowed to show weakness and... Well, there's nothing wrong with weakness. It's just how you channel that weakness and how you bounce back from that. Because we've all had dark days. There's everyone in football's have had dark days, but it's how you react to that and how you overcome them. And for me, as I say, I, I use I overcome mine by just working hard and, and going for a run and, and working overly hard, really, to know that I've done everything I can to to put myself in the best position to move forward. So you did managed to get promoted that year obviously at the National League and you were you did have a lot of success and you took that success into the next season I think obviously it's well documented that that team got back-to-back promotions and still living off that yeah no back-to-back promotions absolutely incredible like a lot of National League teams now are, are, are trying to emulate what obviously Rovers did that year it's sort of like yeah. the, the the National League is such a good league now such a good standard that a lot of teams do genuinely think we can get promoted twice here that yeah. they don't see League 2 now as being such that we've got to stay in this league no, a lot of clubs think I can ju- I, we can go into this league Stockport for example this league this season uh, I, I imagine they're, they're going to do very very well this yeah, year yeah they will yeah um, but obviously back to back promotions and, and for people that aren't necessarily Rovers fans listening to this conversation and for, for guys trying to understand obviously your career and to take as much from you as, as they possibly can talk to me about that moment at the end of the season in your words, in your opinion, as you see it, because a lot of people have asked you questions about it, but I want to hear it from your mouth. So yeah, that, it was a mad old season, really. We 
we obviously got promoted. We we were we were slow burning throughout the course of the season. You know, we we were there thereabouts, but just slow burning. Um, and it comes to that last game, and there was so much expectation around it. We we'd been on a good run of form, um, and we're sitting in fourth place. I think it was. I can't even remember really. We're in fourth place, and Akron are in third. We've got a win at home. We've got a win at home to. Was it Dagnum? Yeah, Dagnum. Akron have got a lose or draw. Um, but yeah, it was obviously everyone knew the expectation going into the game. It was sort of, as a player, you want to go up automatic. You don't want the extra three weeks as the playoffs. So all the players knew, right, we, we need to win this game here. Like, we don't we don't, we don't want this. We had we had Vegas booked on it. <laughs> said, like, we, had, we had a lot riding on it. Um so yeah, look, the, the game's going by. We've we've missed chance after chance. Matty Taylor that year scored X amount of goals. He was on fire, um, but he's he's missing everything. He can't hit a barn door. He, he's hitting posts, like clear cut chances. We're having a stinker. We're one 0 down actually. We're one 0 down. So all this pressure going into the game, they've they've scored. Like everyone's going, oh, we're going to batter them. We've gone one 0 down. It's a massive crisis. Like you can hear a pin drop in the mem. Like you're like, oh, drop me out. Um, Billy Bowden chopped four players and, and slid it in, bring it back 1-1. One, one. Now, now we're missing chance after chance. It's 1-1. One, one. We're, we're at 80th minute, 85th minute. I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, it's game over here. We're going playoffs another three weeks onto our season. We're knackered. 86 minutes, 87, 88. I'm thinking, sod this. I'm going. I've just left left back. I'm, I'm up at the back stick. Matty Taylor's his 100th time chance of the game he, he swivelled smashed it it looks like it's going in it's hit the post oh it's, but the thing is it's come back where I'm running up God knows what I'm doing it's just rolled to me I thought bloody hell Christmas come early <laughs> but it's on me right it's on me right snug <laughs> so I thought Jesus Christ it's literally I must have had the stiffest right foot ever just because I thought if this goes over the bar I, I ain't walking out of here alive but it just literally hit my right foot, open goal, literally tapped it in an empty net um, on the 92nd or 90, whatever it minute. It was, it was late doors. Um, but what a memory that is, by the way, in terms of, I still watch the video now and it gives me goosebumps. The, the old bench that everyone just erupted, you know, and I just whipped the top off straight away. I'm, I'm off and up. <laughs> I'm off tops off around the skull. Um, so yeah, nice. Um, a memory that, as I say, it's luck, it's the right time, right place. Anyone could have been there and tapped that ball in. Like it's, it, it, it weren't a great goal in such of skill, um, but I was just the lucky one. It, it fell to, and I, I tapped it in, you know. Um, but yeah, what what memories after that, and and the, the scenes and things that you can't replicate in any other place than football, and they're they're the incredible highs that you play for every every day and every time you train. They're the highs that you obviously work for. Um, and I was just lucky enough to, to to get that high and what high it was really. Not everybody's lucky enough in their career to to feel such a euphoric moment as that. I was like, I can imagine that it was surreal at the time, but when you watch it back, like what did that do for your football career, that moment? Like how how what did it do to you as a player? Yeah, I don't think it really changed my career as such, really, in terms of as a player. It was sort of yeah, we got promoted and I got the opportunity to play that one step higher. Um, but yeah, as a, as a player, I probably didn't do much or to my thing. I remember I remember sitting that we all obviously went out that night and I remember sitting there um, in 
the Bristol Hotel on my own thinking, what the hell has just happened there? Like, I remember sitting there vividly and just sitting there going, what has gone on? Like, it didn't last long. It lasted about two minutes and I was off. <laughs> but yeah, I just remember thinking, that is mental. Like, I was on a bit of a come down from such a high, like, as you can imagine, it, it's a moment that I was very lucky to experience. Um, and one I cherish very highly. Um, as I say, is as a football career, it didn't really change much, really. Um, apart from I got the opportunity to play a league higher and, and test myself in that league, really. So you do obviously you have the scenes, you have the night out, you go to Vegas, you have the party, incredible, and then you come back and you think, right, I'm playing in League One next year. We've discussed how you've managed to get over, you know, hardship, how you've managed to get over negative feelings and. Um, being relegated obviously being one of them but you've just been promoted so how do you specifically you in, as a person deal with success and what did you do that summer to prepare for the next season yeah for me I, I, it was a, not a nervous time but it, it was I think everyone that group had never been into League One he'd signed players from non-league League Two so none of us really had played in League One so I think we were all excited but we also knew that we'd have to be bang on it in terms of fitness. Um, and my, I always used to go back to fitness. I'd always know that I, did, I just need to be fitter. I just need to be fitter. Look, we're going into a new league. It's going to be better players. I need to be fitter than what I was last year because um, I'm going to, I don't want to get mugged off. And that's how I used to always think about it. I don't want to get mugged off. I don't want to be embarrassed. That's the last thing I want to do just for my own self pride. Um, so I literally always used to go back to just get fitter just get fitter and regardless of the ability, I couldn't trap a bag of sand, but I could run. So it was, it was sort of like that. Um, so yeah, it was sort of always went back to just get fitter. Um, and that's what I did that summer. You know, we were going into a higher league. I knew I'd have to be um, fitter than what I, I was before because obviously you're playing against better players. Um, so yeah, that, that's what I did. And I, I've, we had the party, we had the fun and what fun it was. Um, but then it was sort of right back to business three weeks before we, I, I didn't stop. I signed in that January, obviously, and I walked into a, to, you know, a tight-knit changing room and, and like you say, I managed to, to integrate pretty well. You know, we're all still very close to this day. And we've discussed a lot about your mental strength and obviously through knowing you for the period of time in, in which we were teammates and, and for, since then, your ability to overcome hardship is obviously, is obviously really good. And people, I, I believe, may undervalue how talented you are as well. But something I always looked up to you for, and I know, you know we're the same age, but advice on, and many of us did, was, was your confidence and your ability to, to have difficult conversations with people, whether that be a manager, um, whether that be the owner of the football club, whether that be with supporters, that guys used to go to you with problems and you'd be able to take that and speak on behalf of the group or speak on behalf of yourself and do it very well. And I think that that's something that, you know, when I'm trying to dissect your career and, and trying to decide what is an outstanding talent of brownies that people can take something from, is that your ability to, not confidence, but your ability to have those conversations and trust yourself and, and for other people to lean on you for advice was always something you're really good at. Was that something you, that you has come naturally to you or, or something no, yeah. you, you know had what? to develop? You saying that, it shocked me really in terms of, I didn't really ever see it like that. Um, for me, I was just having a conversation with, with my friends and, and my opinion is 
I would just say how I would how I would deal with the situation and and my opinion on things really and how people took that is how they took it really. Um, but yeah, confidence in a way in terms of I was all, always all right having a conversation or negotiating a contract or I always felt confident in my ability to do that. That was one thing I, I backed myself in more than my ability. I always backed myself that I could hold a good conversation with either the CEO or, or the dustman. It, like, it, it didn't bother me in terms of I'd, I'd, I'd speak to them exactly the same um, and I could hold myself in the boardroom or or down the street. It, I always knew that I could, I had that ability to speak to the different people um, and that's one thing that I probably backed myself the most on that I could probably talk myself into a contract. <laughs> I probably did it many times but no, in terms of people coming to me for advice, I, I don't know, did they... Um, I'm not really too sure if they did or or they didn't. You know, um, it, it's nice to think that people felt like they could, and it, it's quite nice, you know, that that people think that they could do that. And I'd always look at it in their best interest. If any, anyone ever come to me with a problem, or if I could help in any way, or if they wanted something sorted, but they probably didn't have the confidence to go and deal with it, I'd always feel like if that was my friend. I'd want to deal with it for you because I knew that that was my ability to to hold that conversation. And if that was to help my mate out for whatever whatever it was, I don't even, I, I can't even give you an example. Then I'd always do that for them one hundred percent, and I'd still do that to this day. If if someone said I need help with something, I'd and and you're a good friend of mine, I'd I'd bend over backwards for them, regardless if it's an awkward conversation with with X, Y, or Z. You know, I'm lucky now that obviously the, the order shop manager where I'm currently playing has asked me to be the captain of that club. And I take that responsibility obviously now that I sort of am the link between the players and the manager. And if anything the players need, you know, they can come to me. But those skills that I feel like I've learned at that role uh, are through people like you. And, and I've had a conversation with Byron Webster, who was a captain of a team I was before. Um, a couple of the guys I grew up with at Bournemouth um, are guys that have all sort of taken those, um, tried to take that from how important do you think it is for you know not necessarily just people who are captains but footballers in general to feel confident enough to stick up for themselves in conversations whether that be with a manager or contracts and because football's a, a quite a sensitive place right and and a lot of people will just take what they're given or, or not stick up for themselves or if they've got a problem with a the manager they'll talk to the teammate about it and not actually front up with a manager how much of a skill do you think it is for for players to have the confidence to be able to stick up for themselves yeah, no, no, it's an attribute for sure. It's an attribute for to to know your worth and 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 just to have the ability to have that conversation. But what what I would say is there's so many complex characters in football, and not everyone is the same. Not everyone has the ability to hold a conversation and with with a manager or assistant manager or a chairman. Not everyone has that ability. So for me, I sort of respect that that there is so many complex characters. Um, and that is when they have to lean on good good teammates, and that's what you what I think you need to be is a good teammate because not everyone I could name five or six in my change room now who wouldn't have that ability to have a conversation or stick up for himself, and it don't make him a weak person. I don't, it, it, there's a stigma in football that oh yeah you're weak, you're mentally weak, or yeah you're this or you're that, and do you know what? If you're doing the business on a Saturday, I don't really care what you are. Um, for me, and 
I think there's there's such of a a mentality. You've got to be this way. You've got to be that way. Well, not everyone is that way, um, and and it's how you adapt and how you get through your life being that. But look, I'd always encourage someone to. I'd always encourage someone to have a conversation. If if you feel like you're getting hugged off or you're being treated disrespectfully or you have something to say, then you need to say it in the right manner. It's all, it always has to be done in the right manner and I'd always encourage someone to to have that conversation, you know, even if it's awkward. It'd be forgotten about in, in a couple of weeks, but you've got to have that conversation and um, I was particularly never really worried about that, but I can... Some people do worry, um, and there's nothing wrong with that. But look, if, if they need some support, then that's what you have good teammates for, and and that's where the senior pros and people who've been around the the game, like yourself, now is where they can lean on you for what do you think I should do, what should I do there, um, and that's why they're so important. If I was going to describe to you people or to people about you and your specifically your football then one of the words I would use is consistency. I thought you were going to say something else. <laughs> <laughs> one of the words I would use is consistent. I never really saw you perform badly, to be honest, mate. I never saw you physically struggling. Um, you've always been a good teammate. You're on the take here, aren't you? Yeah. I've You're got, on the take, uh, mate, Yeah. Or <laughs> Wimbledon now. I'm trying Jesus to get, yeah, I'm trying to get you right. a new contract. <laughs> you were never a bad influence on, you know, on a dressing room either. How did you manage to stay so consistent uh, both in your performance, football specifically, and also in your personality and, and your influence on others. I'll be honest with you, mate. When you ain't got no ability, you can't you can't, you can't be any worse, John. You can't, you can't you can't do anything worse, mate. That's it, mate. You're no, I know, I know you're a humble but, guy, no. but, but you did. You're a good player. Yeah, but uh, uh, for me, it's sort of at left back. You can sort. Of, I think that's probably and, and full back. It's sort of a position where you can sort of be a six, seven out of ten every week. Um, yeah, like as a winger, you know what it's like. One minute you're you're nine out of ten, and then you don't get the service or whatever, and then you're a three out of ten. Um, where fullback, you can be steady, but if you just do your defensive duties and you get forgetting about in the game, you don't do nothing wrong. Um, so I was a bit like, hey, if I didn't do anything wrong in the game, you sort of, oh, he done all right. He he completed a couple of passes. He didn't get beat. Um, so yeah, I think I think very much just. Was it in your mindset to be consistent? Or, or did you go yeah. into games thinking like, just don't mess up and it'll be all right? No, no, I didn't go into games like that. Yeah, but I, I didn't think of, it would have been. No, I didn't go into games like that, but I just thought all you can do is is do your best in terms of focus. So I think when you're unfocused, it sort of that's when mistakes come. So yeah, I'd always do the right things. I'd always just do the right things leading up to a game um, and just put myself in the best position or position I could. Um, how I performed on the Saturday is sort of, of the luck of the draw in it. So what what did you base your performance on on a Saturday then? For you to feel like I played well, what what do you need to do? Um, depends. Do you know what? It's, it's changed throughout my career really. When I was younger, I'd say I, I want to get in loads of crosses. I want to get in. If I've got in eight crosses and I've I've had some joy down the left, then I've done all right here. Um, regardless of the defensive aspect, I sort of was, no, I need to get forward. Um, the older I got, it sort of, no, I realised the importance of defending. Now, I know I'd have a good game if I stopped their winger who was a main threat um, or didn't give the ball away. And I think, I think every player knows when you've had a good game or a bad game. If it, you, you know, at whatever level, you know if you, you've done all right or if you haven't done all right. Um, 
yeah, you're kidding yourself on if you if you don't know. Um, but yeah, for me, I just always used to judge it on not making mistakes, really, in terms of not giving the ball away. My score, not my, my man not scoring. How much joy did I have putting the crosses in down, down the left side? So yeah, there's, there's loads of aspects of what I would look at um, in terms of how I thought I did in that in that specific game. You're always all, you know, I know you touched on it a, f- a few times about having to run was, was you, your idea of hard work. But how did you manage to recover so well? Like there's obviously in League One, League Two, there's an incredible amount of games. You played in all of them. You've played in, in, in every single one. You're never re- rarely very injured. Um, yeah, it's caught up on me, man. I can't move now. <laughs> I can't even run. I'm gone, man. <laughs> that was when I was 22. I was a nuts, right? Um, but no, I, do you know what? I just, back then, bloody hell, I don't know. Was there anything that you were do. doing or, or you just nah, managed to go not, over it naturally? particularly, yeah. It must have just been natural, you know. I, I wasn't really big for supplements as such in terms of, right, I had to have my protein shake directly after a game or on the Sunday I was eating X, Y, and Z. I'd eat, I'd eat terrible on a Sunday. Um, and I just, I think it was just that, just grind it out, grind it out, you know, and especially, it just, my body used to just sort of keep going and nothing really to what I did in terms of supplements or or going to the gym on a Sunday because that never happened. That never, ever happened. Um, so it was more of a natural thing, I think, for me. You've only played for three clubs in your career and that's in including, well, I'm not including QBR because obviously yeah. you made one appearance, but for Bristol Rovers, Portsmouth and and obviously just most recently Wimbledon, it's rare these days if players have a small amount of moves like that in, in their career. You've been playing for 14, 15 years and if you do include QBR, that's, that's four clubs, which is pretty rare. I know it's very rare for, for players to go through one or, or two clubs. But what do you think it is about you? And I know you're, you're, you're a humble guy and I'm trying to ask you questions that I'm half asking you to big yourself up for, for people's benefit and you're not. But what do, you, Paul Buck, not? what do you think it is about you that, that people, because, and also you left for Portsmouth, but Rovers wanted to keep you. You negotiated a deal, obviously, to Wimbledon um, from Portsmouth, but you could have stayed there if you wanted to as well. Yeah. So it's not like ever you've been asked to leave a club, but apart from QPR, obviously, when you were younger, but every other team has, has wanted you to stay. Every other manager has, has wanted you around the place, whether it, if you're in a yeah. team or not. What do you think it is about you that, that's, you know, that's so attractive to, to a manager of a club? I've just got the waffle, mate. I've got the waffle. I'm, I'm just top waffler, mate. <laughs> no, I, I, I really don't know. But I've, I've been really lucky in terms of, since QPR, I've, I've never really been released all right, a, a little bit at Portsmouth, but that's an, another story, you know. Um, but I've been really lucky in terms of thing is in football, everyone loves just a good person around the place. There's so many dickheads in football, as we know. Um, it's not be around the bush. There's a lot. There's a lot of arrogant, arrogant people. There's a lot of people who a lot of egos. Yeah, a lot of egos. There's a lot of egos in football. Everyone knows that. Um, so for me, I, I've, I've never had an ego. I never will have an ego. Um, and I think that's probably what people would like. They like them characters because, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I generally don't know. I, I couldn't tell you why. Um, obviously, you've got to perform. You've got, you've got to play well. Um, so if you're not playing well, you, they don't want you there anyway. Um, but I do think a factor is, is 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 being a good person and a good person to people um, around the place that 
it's massive. It, it's really big for me, to be honest, in terms of treating people how you'd like to be treated. Um, and just, just having a smile on your face, you know, is it sometimes it, 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 we're in such a pressure cooker in football. You need to be able to enjoy it because if you don't, if you're not enjoying it, what, what we all doing, you know, it's, it's no point. So I'm a big believer in, look, let's enjoy it while we're doing it because it's such a short career. Um, so every, every day, especially now, I'm, I, I try and come in and, and sort of enjoy every, every day. And we've got some good characters now at Wimbledon, um, which is making that a lot easier. Um, so yeah, for me that I'm just a big believer in terms of just being trying to be positive around the place. Um, and, and if that gets me a new contract, that gets me a new contract. It's doing all right. Amir. <laughs> Before we finish, uh, you know, obviously myself being a Portsmouth fan and, and you spent almost four or five years there in the end, massive football club, um, had a, uh, you know, some sort of success, obviously winning at Wembley, scoring a penalty. But one of the things that I'm interested to, to talk to you about is that I watched enough of the games, um, you know, and I got enough of an insight from you into the team and stuff. And as a player, obviously looking from the outside in, I understood that you added a lot of value to that team, both on and off the pitch. Supporters of that football club may or may not have always agreed that you were the best player for that position at the club, right? And I know that you were aware of that. When you stepped out of the team, more often than not, and this isn't obviously biased because I'm your friend, but they struggled at left-back when you weren't available to play. Were you ever... How I mean, were you ever aware of that? And how did it make you feel sometimes getting a bit of stick from supporters about your performances when actually you were the best player at the club for that job at the time and when you'd left there was a massive hole in that in that team that that was left by you yeah no um, I'll tell you what I owe you some money after this and if you don't you're gonna get me another two year I think so um no look I, th- I think as a player you always when you come out of a team and they struggle or then obviously you know you know if someone's made a mistake or um so yeah it just it just happened that that happened at the time, you know, every time I'd come out, they'd, they'd lose or, or whatever, but not necessarily because of me. I don't think it was necessarily because of me. Um, Must have felt nice though. Yeah, it did feel good. Obviously I celebrated. <laughs> no, I didn't. But, but you know, I don't know. It's in terms of the, the fans criticism, do you know what? They, they were good to me, really. The Portsmouth fans, you know, in the end, they, they, they were good to me. And um, yeah, we went through spells where, I probably did get abuse, but then it come back round and it, it's same as everybody really. I think, I think I've had that throughout my career, even at Bristol Rovers, like they'd abuse you, they'd love you one minute and then they hate you the next, you know. People I think, questioning your value in the, yeah, in the team the value, sometimes. Yeah, I, th- I think I've had that. I think every player gets that. Every player gets that. You're, you're one game of being the worst player in the world, you know, and that's just the world we live in. And I think when you're younger, you probably take that to heart. But when I was at Portsmouth, I was, I was a completely different person. I, I couldn't care if they thought I was horrendous or they thought I was, I was the best player they've ever seen. I knew what I brought. I knew what I bring to the table. It wasn't the best player by far means, but I knew, I knew the value that I could bring to that team. Um, if I brought it or not, it's a different story. But in my head, I, I sort of knew what I could bring. Um, but yeah, no, I, I wasn't worried about the, the criticism one bit really when I was there. And in the end, it, I think, they sort of got to know that I didn't really care and they probably could see what I did bring. I knew that I wasn't unbelievable and I think they respected that, respected that thought that 
I knew that I wasn't unbelievable, but I'd work my socks off if that makes sense. And I think they res- the people at Portsmouth respected that. Um, and yeah, no, no, it was a good time in my my career. That you know, I, I don't have no regrets at Portsmouth. I, I loved it there. It was good for tickets for me as well. That was lovely. And you, God, you're yeah, me. I need to find another way to get some tickets <laughs> to games. Marlon, that. Marlon's back on it now. <laughs> yeah, I hope so, yeah. That's why I got the interview. It's the re- reason why I was on here. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm going to finish off, mate. Like they're sort of quick fire questions, but I'm going to delve a little bit deeper into each of them, so they might be take a little bit more time. What is the best piece of advice you've ever received in your career? Just not to give up. Really, never ever give up. It don't matter how low you'll go low you are just never give up um, and that is probably the biggest advice that I was given and and I've, u- I've used it for throughout my whole career I know you've touched on a little bit earlier that you, you've been able to get through your career on 6 out of 10 7 out of 10 performances but in your opinion what was the best performance that you've ever had I'm not even even just saying this I actually don't think I've got over a 6 or 7 out of 10 like, I couldn't tell you one game where I've been unbelievable like, honestly, you scored two goals here for Portsmouth oh, once? Good, yeah, that was a good one. That was a good one. I was fresh though. I, I had four weeks out injured and that was my first game back. <laughs> Felt good, didn't I? Yeah, maybe, yeah, that one. Just because of the goals. But on a whole, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't tell you. Sunderland, I'll tell you another one is um, Sunderland in the, the Checker Trade final as well. I felt like I'd done, I'd done well that game as well. But that's what I'm saying. Uh, over the course of a 14-year career, is I'm picking out a handful, you know, um, but yeah, them too. In hindsight, can you tell the difference between your preparation before a game when you've performed well or badly or, or not really? Nah, not really. I do the same things every, every game, you know, I've, I've the same pre-match, I've the same drinks. It's, it's all a much of a muchness, you know, I think you overthink that when you play badly, but when you play well, you, you the last thing you think about is what you had for pre-match for me anyway. The most difficult moment of your career? Probably the relegations, you know. The relegation from the conference was tough. Um, taking away that when I got released, I think the playing-wise is when when Bristol Rovers got relegated. That, that was the toughest. And I was at an age where it, it did, uh, did affect me badly because I was young. I was trying to make my way in the game and that was probably my lowest ebb, for sure. Would you have done anything differently? I know you're talking about how you got over that by hard work and running and trying to be the best version of yourself as you possibly could but in hindsight now looking back would you have done anything differently after that no um, no I don't think I would I, I don't think I would I've, I think looking back now I probably would do it all over again exactly the same I'd get out of Bristol straight away I'd work hard because I'd, it was the only way back for me I, I, even now at my age I'd, I'd act exactly the same the best player that you've ever played with Adele Trapp when you were at QPR yeah he was a player like I attitude stunk but he was a great player yeah so this is the thing like I'm you know sometimes I to ask that question and then I've got a bit as, as to why was he the best ever player that you've played with what was he doing so that people could obviously take you know parts of their game as well but um, I can imagine he was just incredible talent he was he was incredible in terms of on the ball Neil Warnock coming that year and, and basically giving the captain's armband by the way he had the worst attitude you've ever seen in football, by the way. <laughs> Literally, I could sit here all day talking about his attitude. Um, but obviously, I was I was an 18, 19-year-old lad, so I didn't have not one say. I was just watching it from afar. Um, but his ability, oh, literally, that year when, when they got promoted to the Prem, he was phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, 
scoring goals, but his attitude's so bad. But the thing when they wanted, give him the armband and sort of galvanised him, and he he literally got got promoted, got us promoted that year, or QPR promoted that year. Um, but yeah, ability-wise, the best best you've seen. I'm sure I've I've seen videos of him recently. Obviously, he's Benfica, and I think he talks about how like oh yeah I've changed my mindset on, on my game and stuff like that now he still obviously plays a similar way I think he plays a midfield role that's not necessarily like trying to nutmeg everyone yeah, every time he gets it now, yeah Jesus Christ yeah but it, you know I think he does even himself speak about how yeah maybe I got things a little bit wrong when I was younger but it, he was sensational was he yeah yeah unbelievable for someone who can control a ball and and turn a game on his head and some of his goals when he was a QPI Watch the highlight reel, you'd be like, incredible. But um, his attitude, incredible as well. The most important attribute, in your opinion, the players need to have if they're going to make a career out of the game? I think a strong mindset that you never give up, you know. Um, of course, you need to have ability in terms of you need to be able to pass a football. Of course you do. Um, but for me, I think the biggest attribute is the mental side of things in terms of the never give up attitude, and I think a good example is Tom Lockyer. As you, as you, as we were speaking about earlier, his mindset is is incredible, um, and and he always he's one what stands out for me really. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's a bigger attribute than what people think. Do you think having a strong mindset is something that comes naturally to you, or th- something that you can learn, or something you can train? Yeah, I think so. I think when when you get um, some negatives in your life or in your career. It's sort of how you train yourself to react to that. Now it's so easy to react badly and just go and get a takeaway or I'll just sack the gym off or I won't be asked because they feel sorry for himself. And there's people now I I see it. I see it today. Um, Like people have that and that's their mentality. Now that, that is a problem. Now, do they change that? The older, see, like Adele, he, he, he realizes now, now he's whatever age, he must be 30 odd. He's probably realized that that was a mistake back then and he shouldn't have done that. So I think it gets to a point where you do realize, but the quicker the better, really, because some people haven't got his ability and you'll be out of the game um, just, just out of your mentality alone. And last one, mate. What advice would you give to anyone starting out their career in football as to how they can have a long-lasting, successful career? I think just, um, as I say, attitude in terms of how you apply yourself every day. Um, you're going to have setbacks. It's how you react from them setbacks is massive because you will have setbacks. It, it, no one has not had setbacks unless you're Ronaldo, but easy probably had setbacks. Um but you're going to have setbacks. It's how you react from them setbacks and you must react in a positive way. Um, and that would probably be my biggest advice, really. Listen, Brownie, I appreciate it, mate. I know you've found it very difficult to, to speak positively about yourself. You're a humble guy, but hopefully I've managed to get you a new contract off the back of this. Well, I've got another four year waiting for me. Chairman! <laughs> <laughs> nah, thank you very much, mate. I appreciate your time. Top man, mate. Oh, with a nuts in we.